the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Some of you know Holy Cross Monastery um, up the Hudson River in West Park, New York. Uh, We've gone for a couple of years as a small group during the season of Lent, and we'll go again this year. So if you'd like to go, think about that and uh, plan on it come, come Lent. Um, it's a wonderful place. It's a great, uh, a great building on the Hudson River, and you can sort of look out the windows at the river itself. And um, one of the things I like best about it is its hospitality. It is a comfortable place. It's not fancy, but it's really comfortable and cozy. And one aspect of that is a coffee bar that is there with coffee available pretty much 24 hours a day. And it's good coffee. <laughs> There next to the coffee pots is a great wall of coffee mugs. And it's fun to look at the mugs. They're from churches all over Christendom. Uh, you can look at one mug and it's from a church in South Africa where Holy Cross has a, or had a school. Um, you can look, look at another mug and it's from somewhere in Florida or somewhere in, in Washington State. Um, there's a Holy Trinity mug there. Um, there. There are a few other mugs from church agencies and from nonprofits and uh, various organizations um, uh, near and far. What's interesting is to watch people choose their mug, especially if it's a mostly quiet retreat. Um, Your mug is sort of like your name tag. It's a little bit of your identity. And so people choose their mug with care. You know, do you want to go around the whole weekend supporting the Girl Scouts of America? Well, if so, that mug is there for you. Or if you want to go around sort of advocating for Episcopal Relief and Development, their mug is there. Or this church or that church. Um, We identify with the cup we choose. Um, I think of Holy Cross and their coffee cups and that that, um, tendency to identify with the cup we choose. When I hear Jesus' words to his disciples, uh, are you sure you want to choose this cup? Are you sure you want the cup you think you want? Jesus uses that image of a cup several times. Um, If you think about it, it's one of the most important images uh, to represent sort of the fullness of of what it is that's before us. Um, The night before his arrest and uh, betrayal and crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he, he gives us maybe the pattern for all prayer, where he both prays for what he most wants and prays that God's will would prevail. Both things, not one or the other, but both. And in the words that Jesus uses, he says, I pray, Father, that you remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, your will and not mine. So this cup, um, Jesus means this situation, this, this difficulty, this, this anxiety, this, this cup of suffering. When I was first out of seminary, I served a little church over in Brooklyn that particularly worked with uh, women in prison and their families, people coming out of prison. And, and their logo on their church bulletins and other things was, was a cup, a kind of a chalice-looking cup. And it said something to the effect of, we pray that our cup of suffering would be transformed into a cup of strengthening. 
That's at the heart of the gospel. That's what Jesus prays for and illustrates from Gethsemane on. That the cup of suffering, whatever it may be, whatever it may be filled with, is through God's grace and in God's time transformed into a cup of strengthening. Christian churches and other religious institutions don't do us any favors when they enshrine suffering as a good thing. That's not God's intention that we, that we see all suffering as redemptive. It isn't. Um, There's no reason or excuse for babies and children to suffer. There's no reason or excuse for certain people to fall victim to suffering after suffering after suffering. Um, the, the, The fact of Jesus Christ in the world shows us that God suffers with us. Does God give or bring suffering? Who knows? I don't think so. But God participates in suffering alongside us, with us, with all, with all innocent victims of suffering. But even in the midst of suffering, there can be redemption if we're open to God and open to others. That's where the redemption comes. All of us probably know someone who has struggled with a really difficult diagnosis or an ailment or a disease. And, and later they've said that during that time, that difficult, difficult time, they never felt closer to God than that time. Well, that doesn't encourage us to look for opportunities to suffer, to be close to God. But it's a way of describing after the fact that during those times of suffering, we can be open to God in a new way and discover that God shows up in a new way. And we can be open to other people and discover that folks were there in ways we might not have imagined, that folks can offer us help and healing in ways we never thought possible. We can follow in the way of Jesus so that all cups of suffering can be transformed into cups of strengthening Cups in which we allow others to serve us and we find new meaning for service of others. Places in which we receive and know Christ as the suffering servant who suffers, yes, on our behalf, but also alongside of us. Like an elder sibling giving us support and help for the days ahead. In Jesus Christ, the cup of suffering becomes a cup of strengthening and eventually a cup of joy. And that's something we participate in at every Eucharist. It's a foretaste of that heavenly banquet where all tears are wiped away, all suffering is transformed into healing and strengthening. Whatever our cups may be full of, may we choose to allow God to strengthen us, to transform us, so that we can share the joy of Christ's life here and hereafter. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.